0: You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. Well, it's my pleasure to be joined by um, uh, Daniel Granger following his presentation at a recent Chamber on Tap at the fantastic little uh, Tap House there in beautiful Flinders Lane. And, and for context, you know, last month we had Natasha... Uh, talk all about purchasing behavior and things like decision fatigue and the jam jar experiment. She also talked about the economist subscription or, or she referred to the decoy effect. And um, she got me on a recent podcast on that. So if you haven't listened to Natasha's, you can go back uh, in the Townsville Chambercast series and and click on Natasha's one there around um, uh, convincing consumers and and getting your product on the shopping list. Um, but following Natasha. Uh, we had a really insightful talk from from Daniel and and he investigated a little bit more of you know moving away from humans the rational model into the nudging of businesses and then specifically you um, you talked about that consumer psyche through their uh, behavioral economics lens so Daniel it's it's fantastic to have you in the studio and and um, so welcome to Townsville Chambercast I know this is the first episode with us but I'm sure you'll you'll
1: of course do more Thanks, Ross. Yeah. Thanks for um, inviting me.
0: Yeah. No. So, look, this the the behavioural economics lens that you were talking about. You referred to um, uh, you. I guess you. You set this up into, into four categories of the, the nudge concept, and we'll talk about those today. There was trust, time, chance, and, and value, but talk to us a little bit about this, um, the, the starting point or this nudge concept to give our listeners a bit of an idea of that and, and how they can um, start to think about that when they're thinking about their consumers.
1: Yeah, well nudges and nudging is an interesting concept. It's, uh, it's something that Richard Thaler, a behavioral economist has coined uh, it's come from a rich uh, tradition of behavioural economics, which was started by two psychologists, uh, Kahneman and Tversky, uh, who looked into how economic theory, as we know it, departs from what we actually see in the world. In, in other words, uh, the models are wrong. And <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually noticing this now. And the work of Richard Thaler and Piers. Uh, move in the direction of trying to correct the economic model. And those four areas that you talked about, um, or or that I talked about, were uh, central to the economic model being choice, value, time, uh, and probability. So Thaler breaks it down to these simple concepts of um, uh, what he called nudging, And the the parts where we do depart, our behavior, individuals and social level does depart from the economic model we use in marketing and economics has basically brought uh, the theory behind what is being used in practice and finding other things that can be used in marketing as well.
0: Yeah, so this is is awesome. I I absolutely love this stuff because what you've just Uh, to a layman uh, described I guess is um, you can have all the theory that you want but as soon as you involve a human uh, it creates chaos
1: yeah that's correct (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love it so so talk to us a little bit about this this nudge effect the first thing you sort of talk about there is I guess trust and and choice and you, you sort of you tell us a little bit about that. And let's journey through these four, four pillars, I guess.
1: Yep, great idea. Um, Well, choice is something in the rational economic model, that um, is something we do perfectly, we make perfect choices, we think of all our different options in this theoretically perfect model. And we know that when we walk into a supermarket, we don't actually do that. We don't consider every single aisle We don't consider every single ad that we've seen on TV weeks and weeks in advance. And we uh, use this idea of our bounded rationality as Herbert Simons um, has said, uh, where we actually satisfy, where we find the satisfactory solution and sacrifice the optimal solution or that perfect solution. So choice is rooted in the idea of social preferences and also in the idea of we don't reason perfectly. So we, in a, in a sense, validate our choices by looking at social norms and we use that every day. So if you think about the color of the car you buy or the type of car you buy, the, the, the shirt you're wearing at the moment or the shoes you're wearing at the moment, you'll notice that they're all impacted, those decisions to purchase are impacted by the group of people around you. So that's the idea of choice as it is used in in uh, behavioural economics.
0: And, and what, so we then justify the choice via the validation of our friends and peers?
1: Yeah, we, in, instead of having this huge cognitive load of trying to go through all the various combinations of what we're going to collect in our groceries or purchase across years, we we look around us and basically do the smart thing, I guess, and and lean on the the social group around us and think, well, surely everyone can't be wrong. So <laughs> so we we outsource our decision making to to the group around us. So I mean, this is going a little bit off. T- I love
0: doing these things because you know I've always got a million questions when you're sitting there listening to a presentation of this. So you know. Does this work too if you make sort of a bad decision like you've you've bought a car that was maybe a little bit too expensive and not really what you require but you see people justifying that pers- that purchase at a barbecue saying oh you know that's the best one you can. for all these reasons and you're sort of sitting there going eh, no that's not that's not really true
1: Yeah that, that it absolutely works in the other direction so yeah, okay. we, we we've heard of the kind of madness of the crowds or the mobs Yep and And we also know about the wisdom of the crowds. And a great thinker, Francis Galton did the oxen experiment that we talked about the other night, where he noticed at a county fair that people who were looking to win a dressed ox, which was hanging, basically they had to guess uh, the the weight of that ox. And so what Francis Galton noticed when uh, people made their guesses The average of the guests came a lot closer to any one individual guess. James Surowiecki writes a book about it, actually, and and goes further into this wisdom of the crowds idea. And um, it's a a great book to read on the topic.
0: So is that what we're going through with COVID at the moment? Like all this sort of, you know, you can't really validate why someone would pay more for, well, we're talking about cars a bit, I guess, but, you know, like, um, I, I bought a car just before COVID, COVID came and went, oh, what do I buy a new car for? Now I could sell it for more than what I paid. So is that, is that like they're getting validated by other people making that decision? So it seems normal?
1: Yeah. Well, we um, noticed the toilet paper uh, yep. experience oh, where, yeah. where the, um, the, that was suddenly something which was in great need. Things like that is what we'd call the, the, the mob effect, I guess, or the, the madness of the crowds. Yep. Uh, but Um, You can see that in housing price bubbles and global financial crisis 2008. Yep. uh, Another effect there, Uh, Bitcoin, you can see it in there. Yep. Um, You can see the the crazy uh, mistakes that we make. But on the other side of the coin, we also, when we do do it right, we we, uh, have this beautiful kind of wisdom of the crowd effect where the social gathering is actually more correct. Than any one individual guess, most of the time, and and you did
0: mention that about the ox theory. I guess was yeah, it, if you averaged out all of the guesses from the crowd, it was actually actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. There was another uh, thinker, uh, more our century type of thing. Yeah, um, Jack Trainer over in uh, America. Who was a uh, did a jelly bean jar guess uh, experiment? And so instead of you know killing cows and things like that, and yeah. taking guesses at that, he he um he did an experiment with how many beans were in the jar, and and uh, found that actually markets are quite efficient, or guesses are quite efficient when you average out, and that's kind of the reasoning behind the efficient market hypothesis in in the stock market. And we always think we can beat the market sometimes, but um, most of the time the market gets it correct so the argument goes but yeah yeah but behavioral economics actually shines a light on this nice theory and says actually there can be mobs there can be crazy prices the crowd isn't always correct individuals aren't always correct and that's because we kind of we do lean on other people, but then there can be this runaway effect where we run towards things like toilet paper and new cars and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: So if you've got a business, yeah, look out for those indicators, because when the mob runs and does crazy things, it might be an opportunity for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, the, by by way of this, this interesting uh, choice um, effect that, that we have, um, we, we kind of tied it to trust the other night. And it was it was the idea of, uh, we're in a current um, era of inflation and we're, we're worried about these increases in, um, well, businesses think of increasing prices and they, they worry about kind of communicating how uh, their prices are going to increase, uh, be increased to the customer. And upon uh, communicating to the customer, they, they then go home and worry about whether that message has been taken up um, in the right way, because we all have that experience as a business owners or, or people who shop in in shops thinking, ah, have have we um, is the message of this price increase, is that kind of people uh, taking advantage of the situation, this inflationary error mm. and, and just increasing it just because there is inflation or is it legitimate? And so it's important in behavioral economics has found this and psychology has found this that people people trust a good reason a very simple reason very short you know succinct reason and but one that's credible and yeah. and and sometimes we forget that as business owners as people shopping we we sometimes overlook the fact that um, we're actually moved by these messages, and so the trust asset is important between customers and businesses.
0: And, and I know when you touched on this on the talk um, last month, we actually had someone in the crowd that had just written the letter to go out to his 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 customers, I guess. And and you know it was two pages long, and he was you know he'd spent all of this to, and. And like you said, he was like, oh, right, I'm going to go home and rewrite it now because I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm just going to give the the legitimate reasons. My customers, um, my loyal customers, trust me. They're the ones I want anyway. So, yeah, make you know, make your reasoning tight and concise and and to the point.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of, they're, they're called trust games that in, you know, economic, behavioral, economic theory. So there's a lot of literature behind, behind this. And it's fascinating to see that, Um, we actually, it's called strong reciprocity. If we, uh, if we see something that needs to be punished, we go out of our way sometimes to punish those things. And if we think we're being ripped off, then we will walk, you know, we'll vote with our feet and walk out of the shop
0: and and tell 20 people.
1: Uh, Absolutely. So so a short message, something that's not the terms and conditions, which go for 20 pages, you know, that works.
0: That works. Communicate well, tell the truth. Well, what a, what a bold a bold theory but all right so a bit of trust um, around the uh, the choice uh, component of it now you also spoke about about time and how the consumer looks at at that and offers a so, you know this offers running out and, and starting to look into the psyche of that too
1: absolutely e- economics sometimes uh, thinks of as time as something which uh, or preferences which can't be so I will make a preference to, to mow my lawn this weekend and and in economic theory as it stands today I won't change my mind about mowing my lawn this Saturday but we we've, we've all had the experience where when I'm at this Saturday then I I say okay maybe I'll give it till Sunday and maybe then I'll leave it another week so we have this kind of procrastination it's the procrastination effect where we where we have this thing called switching so we switch our preferences that applies itself in business, to the idea of limited time offers, uh, where we actually have these limited time offers pre- presented to customers or lock-in contracts presented to c- customers, and you can see these things in in your your typical streaming service, where where you can trial it for seven days and um, or or a month if you wish, and that, that that actually has two interesting time effects. The first one is this thing called the endowment effect, that if you've been using something for a very long time or for, for, for enough of a time to feel ownership, uh, a relationship of ownership towards that thing, then you will be hesitant to actually depart from it or, or let it leave your side. So... Uh, and th- then the second effect is the default bias. And now we're gonna combine these two effects. The default bias is the default on, for example, Netflix or Stan or what have you, the streaming services uh, are to, to, for you to opt out. Now, n- notice the two, the, that we, in the default bias, we don't we, we like keeping with our default. So we got two effects here that when played in tandem actually, are a very powerful formula for keeping customers paying for your services. And um, uh, so after that seven days of trialing that streaming service, I've been watching it for a while. And at the seventh day, I don't do anything. And the default is to stay in that service. And I feel the sense of pain when I try to um, even consider opting out. And so, that's quite an unusual thing which economics can't explain, but behavioural economics goes a long way into studying it, and, and we actually use it in everyday businesses. You talked about, I thought what was one of the little fascinating things you mentioned when, when you were explaining
0: this, because I'm, I'm a victim of it, of course, and that's what I love about Natasha, I'm a victim of everything she says, but um, you also talked about the importance of getting that time frame right. like. You know the trial period not being too long, not being too short. The the
1: Goldilocks yeah, uh, the Goldilocks one yeah. So, so I I just borrowed the Goldilocks um, yeah yeah. It's not there, yeah, but, no, that's um, Good, good but, but I liked it. But it yes, there is all of be, so the big uh, wrapping I'd put around all of behavioural economics is is that it is emerging and this Goldilocks time applies to every single one of the four categories we're talking about. So we we walk into it with this trial and error type of mindset. So maybe seven days isn't too long, uh, isn't rather, maybe seven days is too short for people to feel ownership towards a particular product that they're trialing. Maybe 30 days could be too long because it's starting to eat into your bottom line. Yep. It's an idea of kind of getting the Goldilocks zone right, the right, timing yeah. right.
0: Yeah, not not giving your service away for free too long and you're not making any money, but also making that, I guess, because we, we looked at it uh, a little bit, particularly during COVID, and if you locked people down for a certain period of time, how long until their behaviour will change and they'll well, go to a different supermarket, do their shopping, or they'll work from home more um, independently and not want to go back to the office. And there's some fascinating data around that behavioural change Uh, coming out of this and it's all got to do with time you know up here in Queensland we weren't locked down so you know okay you can come back to the office now great off we all went you can go to a football stadium now off we all went Um, but they're seeing in other states you know there's this risk distance um, and whether the risk is real or not it's the behavioral change you know of of shopping online now I don't like going to the supermarket so these are all the things businesses have got to deal with I guess.
1: Absolutely as we as we can see with this lockdown and and what we've been experiencing in COVID um, we we change our habits quite quickly. Yep, and that's further reinforced by the fact that everyone's doing it around us. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What yeah. What do you mean? You're not working from home? Yeah, yeah exactly. no, no. all right. So, so the
0: next one, chance or or a guarantee. This was uh this was an interesting one as well. So yeah, so,
1: yeah. I, I mean I I made a connection with this um quite a personal connection when when our hot water system died. Um, and it, it was interesting that our our plumber uh, offered this same day service guarantee, something that uh, uh, kept uh, it salient in my mind, it was very important in my mind. Yep. Uh, and so I kind of kept that plumber in mind for a very long time, long enough to actually went to, to the point that when my hot water system did die, uh, that was the first person that I I called. Yep. Now, notice that uh, chance. We make we make all these uh, probability errors. In e- e- economics, th- economic theory as it stands believes that we we can perfectly perceive true probabilities, true chances. And and um, if we actually did, we probably wouldn't be playing the lotto or anything like that.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But um, he he sort of thought about the fact that. There surely can't be enough hot water systems failing in one day. I, I can, I can deliver on this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the particular plumber, yeah, thought I can deliver on this. Hot water systems don't fail like two in a day, possibly. I've is, is busy day might do three. Yeah, yeah, outlier, yeah. Rather. Yeah. yeah. And um, so the the plumber could deliver on uh, on this guarantee. Yep. And this guarantee uh, was a kind of reputation asset in, uh, as we call it, and and so when you think about this same day service it takes away a certain amount of anxiety of going without this hot water system which is kind of this idea of we remember the bad things in the past like peakedness thinking oh days without hot water is a very painful thing so yeah fascinating stuff and very important and um and certainly something that I'm guessing is earning this uh, plumber a lot of business.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting you sort of hone in on these sort of. I mean, they seem simple, don't they, for a business to. Oh yeah, look, it's the same gain guarantee. But you, you're actually entering into this psychology that you know you might have no idea. He probably just thought I just want to. Um, you know, I've got nothing on, I'll, I'll, I'll go and fix up water systems and I'll, I'll hone in on, you know, a plumber does roofs, he does everything. Like, why did he choose that? And he's probably stumbled across something that's that's very, very viable. So I guess for other business owners when we're thinking about this, you know, and uh, I know Natasha talked about this, do what you do well and, and you know, maybe look at actually guaranteeing or giving yourself a competitive advantage over your, your opposition and, and just honing in on that thing
1: absolutely so so as Natasha said um, yeah do what you do well and part of doing what you do well is thinking about the guarantee that you can actually meet yep and and that's not what economics typically talks about but it's something that's crucial to um, to your competitive advantage or communicating what you're really good at and how you're going to meet a need and 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 re- reduce the anxiety of, of something um, that is important to someone. Yeah, no, that's um. Yeah, but
0: I, I guess the best thing about these is for our listeners too is actually you know they know their business best. So yeah, like I'm I'm just thinking of GPs or something like that. You know how they could potentially make that you know end that anxiety of their consumer or you know it could be a same day, uh, same day telehealth or, or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 very interesting when you talk about the. The pain factor,
1: oh, I don't want to have a cold shower for, for three days. Yeah, well, yeah. the GP example, that's um, something that uh, my wife pointed out to me the other day driving in into Townsville um, from from where we live. Uh, there was uh, a sign which, which said a same-day service will guarantee, you know, if, a if you have... Yeah, and um, I, I think uh, one was a medical service and one was a dental service. So, yeah, there you So go. it was strange, and we were looking out for these things. So yep. we're narrow framing, as they say, just yep. looking for these uh, particular quirks of of um, guarantees and and uh, yeah, and talking about this subject actually. Okay.
0: So so does it does that sort of relate into if you know they'll guarantee if you. You know if you don't like our product you can get your money back within 30 days or something is that the same thing or is that slightly different
1: no it's um we've been playing with this chance thing for a long time right and whether they be guarantees warranties insurance markets things like that uh, we so it's all very much related so and we make mistakes at both ends at the the low likelihood end where you know will the hot water system fail will Will, um, will I need my car serviced, et cetera, is uh, possibly more at the, the higher end because every year I get my car serviced, but I make a mistake and I leave it too long. Mm. And sometimes just that, that idea of, uh, of automated, support, automated kind of uh, reminders, which, which bring us back into the service station or back into that uh, routine medical checkup or back to, into the, the, the regular uh, shopping behavior that we have in our customer data that Natasha was talking about. That's something that's important. That That's actually what makes the, the customer data important is yep. that you see the, the routine behavior and you can remind that. And... Uh, and we make mistakes, and a reminder is something that's good, and it's associated with this idea of transaction utility, and it makes us a little bit happier when we shop, and we're we're kind of reminded of of hey, this is the time frame that we're allowed to do shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fascinating stuff. No,
0: it's unreal. And so, and I guess the the last one, of course, was value. Um, and and I guess when we we look at value, it's um, you know do we discount or how do we value add to our product? So, so talk a little bit about what you found there in the, in the psyche of, of purchasing.
1: Yeah, well, value is value's an interesting one. It was the first one that was looked at by uh, uh, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky when they were looking at how our idea of pleasure and pain in economics wasn't the same as what we are seeing in the real world. So with value, we, we're, we're loss-averse creatures. We, we we can see $10 on the ground and we pick it up and we get some enjoyment mm-hmm. uh, on finding some money on the ground, but if we lost that same $10 and realize <laughs> that later, we, we, we go to a lot of effort to try and find it. <laughs> oh man, I, I see I hate this because
0: I, the other day, like, you know those recycle cans thing? You yeah. know, now you get the 10 cents. Yeah. Righto. So. Uh, I've been collecting them and then the girls, my daughters and I, I take them and they got to feed them through the machine so it's like a half an hour process and you get like $40 or whatever. And then we always go to a local cafe and get a bit of a reward and that reward costs me $50. But hey, it's a good it's a good two-hour outing, gets the kids out of mum's hair and, and all the rest of it. Well, the other day I did it, right, stood there for like the 20 minutes feeding all these cans in. Bit of a rush, walked out. I must have put the money in my pocket Got in the car, drove to the cafe, and it had fallen out. And I mean, the I could have found four hundred dollars on the ground, and it was nowhere near got to cover the disappointment of losing that that forty dollars.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating. Thing. Oh yeah.
0: man, that's unreal. Yeah, I was so annoyed. in like, my wife I just just get over it. I don't want to get over it. Like I, I worked really hard for that 40 bucks, you know, yeah. like it
1: was fascinating. Oh God, you've yeah. got me again. So yeah. So that that's, I mean, we've, we've all experienced it, haven't we? Yeah, it, yeah. Th- that's, the, that's the interesting thing about behavioral economics. It's, it's a lot of common sense in it, but, but we forget it and we, we kind of go for these whiz bang tools of economics and think that they work. But really it's just simple ideas like, oh, i I've lost money. Yeah, that's gonna hurt a lot <laughs> more good. than actually finding <laughs> the same amount of money.
0: I tell you what, I'm gonna go with the zip on me shorts next time I go to recycle those cans. Like th- that's that's <laughs> uh, that's what I've learned out of it anyway. So yeah,
1: so um, yeah, th- and there's another interesting aspect actually to value, um, th- to the, the value uh, category, and uh, as uh, Kahneman and Tversky again, they found found this one as well. Um, so great thinkers, and they found the the fact that we have. We enjoy a lot of little gains. Um, you know, instead of giving someone a a, a, large, a hundred bucks, people sometimes prefer ten ten dollars ten times. You know, over a, a period of time. Okay. Or, or um, instead of getting one giant present, get a lot of little presents over a kind of regular period. It's probably a better example. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of segregating gains, or you know breaking up gains. And this can be applied, and is being applied by, by a lot of kind of commercial, um, like uh, big level, uh, uh, big level kind of operations. Be be they uh, retail, or or be they just uh, you know at the wholesale end. There's a lot of literature around this one, and, and it's the idea is that uh, is that we we like. Uh, we, we like being rewarded regularly, basically. Yep. So you can think think of the, you know, your typical classroom growing up at school, and you, you get these kind of golden stars regularly. Yeah. Um, instead of just one star at per month, um, to, so that kind of and you know, that kind of thing actually has been found to be quite effective in business. Um, yeah, that's that's really because
0: I mean I um oh god, this is happening. This is. So I got a coffee shop thing, right? And you, and you didn't get rewarded until you had 10 coffees. And I was like, oh, I don't want it. It's too many. Although, you know, that, but if you got one for five and paid a little bit more for the coffee, you would tend to uh, use that one over a preference to say 10 or 15 before you got a free one, even if the coffees were cheaper on the,
1: on the but it was going to take too long. Absolutely. So it, we have to think. Oh no! It, it does make you think about yeah. uh, the the re- rewards you give customers. So we, we've you know in towns where we've got all these shops which have got our details and, mm-hmm. and they offer us that that reward every fifth visit or yeah or every you know like spend over fifty dollars etc. That we we could do possibly we, we could look into that a lot further as a, as business owners and. And uh, because we've all had the experience of, uh, you know, this is gonna take me forever to save up to get this particular yeah. uh, bonus from this shop. So I'm not going to use it. So that, that loyalty card or, or that loyalty system that, that they have uh, can be revised. And, and it's, you, you, that's the thing about all of this is you, you never are sit, sitting with that perfect solution ever. And it's um it's again it's finding that Goldilocks
0: amount yeah and zone that you're not gonna you're not gonna run out of money or you're not gonna send your business broke doing it however you're gonna reward people often enough and small enough to keep them engaged so they they don't go somewhere else so I guess the takeaway is if you've got a rewards program and you and you see you know you see this a lot in business they oh yeah I've got one of them and I I don't have to think about it anymore but if if it's not actually working and it's not driving Uh, business, it needs to be re-looked at. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, I mean, uh, don't see behavioral economics as a Bible. It's just some guide, which is just our common sense sitting there and academics looking into these things and experimenting and tapping you on the shoulder. Yeah. And saying, Hey, this stuff actually works. Uh, Uh, This is what I love about doing these podcasts with
0: you and, and others is as soon as you start to listen, and I know even you know we do it over a beer, obviously. So we're we're probably um, uh, we're even worse. But even you know doing it now in the podcast room, you're like, oh, that happened to me. They got me. And Natasha's shocking at it. She she she's brilliant. She can just hone in and, and sort you out. But Absolutely. I mean, look, just in a I, I guess a real quick roundup. I mean, this is pretty. I, I could talk to this for for hours. As as but. Um, the the idea i guess what we've covered today um is around trust and choice time chance and and value um but but i i'm sure like all this stuff it goes a lot further than that
1: Oh, yeah, we've yeah. only kind of yeah, on scratched it. the surface here. So, yeah. so if you want great books um, out there, there's the book called Nudge by Sunstein and Thaler, the two you know people who thought about this idea of nudging. Yep. Um, there's Misbehaving, which is Thaler's original one from years and years ago. Uh, there's um, Kahneman and Tversky's books out there um, by Dan Kahneman, actually, because Tversky's passed away. But uh, uh, Kahneman's written a really great book as well. Uh, there's others though, yep. so, and, and it goes into a lot uh, greater breadth than what I've kind of talked about talking and what them. we've been talking about. But it, th- 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 this is a good starting point. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, this is the idea of this Chamber on Tap series is to have access to great people like yourself and. And academics and and actually get getting you in front of the the business community in a sort of a i guess a bit more of a casual uh setting and and i know we had some interesting questions on the night and i know we had some some business owners tapping their foreheads and realizing that that made that mistake so mate I, I i really love the fact that you've given your time for for our chamber on tap but also here for the podcast so anyone that that missed that um so i, I thank you again for that and and i guess just as a wrap up for our listeners too um, the chamber on tap series is designed obviously for you to go through a little bit of a stage so you know we had Paul from from start talking about the radio and advertising and things like that but then we got Natasha in she obviously talked about um, how the consumer thinks Daniel you've um, you've highlighted the nudge effect and and making de- trying to get them to make a decision that that you want and, and looking at that behavior and that psyche rather than than um, just uh, <laughs> thinking that we're all rational <laughs> i yeah. don't think that we are we're that um and then of course uh, as we move on from that with our our next uh talker at chamber on tap is uh is dr marcus powell he's the senior lecturer at entrepreneurial management and uh hopefully the theory is now that we've got your business uh selling more and touching on the psyche of it um uh Dr. Powell can uh, can help us manage all this extra business you're getting, and, and how to scale your business sustainably. But um,
1: yeah, thanks again, Daniel. Is there anything you want to leave us with, mate, or is there any other other? Oh. I just want to say um, thanks, uh, Ross, for the the opportunity to speak at this chamber on tap. I think it's a great idea to bring the uni and the and the community of the business community closer. Uh, together, uh, I think um, the the benefits go both ways. It's really it's really great initiative.
0: Yeah, no, thanks, mate. And uh, yeah, we got to thank our corporate partnership with JCU, obviously, and obviously Damien running the MBA program out there now and and connecting us all together. It's uh, it's just fantastic. And yeah, I um, I just can't believe how you guys know what we think and know what we do. I think it's just uh, it, it it's it's got me thinking about
1: a whole new level, to be honest. So. No, fascinating stuff, <laughs> isn't it? And yeah. No, I'm sure we, we don't know what... <laughs> yeah, we think we, right. either. <laughs> but, um, yeah, great stuff. Good
0: on you, mate. Thanks, and uh, thanks again for your time. Cheers.
1: Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Townsville Chambercast. Remember to subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. The Townsville Chamber of Commerce would like to acknowledge our corporate partners, James Cook University, 106.3 Star FM, External IT and NQAV for their continued support.